This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 128, The Ultimate Conspiracy. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. And guess what? It's not just another episode. It's a special episode featuring Robert Militello. Now, you may remember Robert Militello has been on our podcast several times in the past. He writes for the Bible Believers Bulletin. You can hear him on Final Fight Bible Radio. You can also hear him on YouTube and uh, Don Nesbitt's channel. But let's welcome in... Robert Militello from beautiful Florida, of all places. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did a New Yorker wind up in Florida? Well, it's a long story, Brother Eric. Uh, there were a number of factors that occurred, which I thought was using to get me to look in another direction. I kind of thought my work was done in Brooklyn. I had a church for 15 years that I pastored. Amen. I, I went as far as I could go as far as bringing the sheep along and uh, teaching them. And I, I just I, I felt I reached the point where I wasn't going to be able to go much farther along because a lot of God's people reach a certain point and that's it. And for whatever reason, they stop growing in the faith or they just settle back. And it's a it's a bad thing that's in the churches today. Many of God's people prefer to be spectators rather than active participants. And uh, and that's what I'm going to talk somewhat on in this message about being involved in spiritual combat. We're told in Jude just before the book of Revelation to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints and contending is I had an experience just the other day where two Mormons rang my bell and we battled it out for a good 20 minutes, 30 minutes in front of my door. I wouldn't let him in. And I told him why I didn't want to be a partaker of the evil doings or bid them Godspeed. I said, why should I bless you or, or make encourage you when I know what you're putting out is poison uh, they didn't like that, but uh, we got to talk, and hopefully I made them think about what it's like to be sincere and yet discover that you're wrong and allow the Scripture to correct you. I, I said, I had that experience as a Catholic, and if you'll open your hearts to God and ask him to show you the truth and not be afraid of whatever contradicts what Joseph Smith or whatever you heard from your church— then you'll be okay, and the Lord will lead you to Calvary, and you'll be saved. But until then, you're lost. But I'm going to talk this morning about what I call the ultimate conspiracy. And a lot of Christians, uh, unfortunately, I don't think they they really pay much mind to the attempts that have been made over history in the church age to thwart the gospel of the grace of God. It is the most hated truth in the world today and the one who hates it and sends out his minions every day to thwart the preaching and teaching of this gospel is the devil himself 
Now, when you talk about conspiracies, we're living in a time when a lot of Christians, I don't know why they get hung up on conspiracies. Well, I do, I, I do have a theory. Now, we believe a supernatural book with supernatural stories, uh, the Lord walking on water, uh, somebody coming out of a tomb after being four days dead and somehow revived. And I mean, these are unbelievable stories unless you put faith in what God is saying and you believe it to be so. And we tend to be prone to believing far out things. And the devil takes advantage of that. And he leads many Christians astray, uh, getting involved in, in figuring out conspiracies or pursuing the information regarding conspiracies, especially when it comes to the death of important people or celebrities or, or plots in history. And uh, it, it's this thing about, well, it must have been something behind it. It couldn't just happen that way. Uh, and it's fascinating because... You know, people, people like a mystery. They, they like mysteries and the ego being what it is. We, we like to think we're figuring something out that's kept secret and dark. You know, oh, yeah, this this must have been at work here and this explains that and that explains this. But you got to be very careful of that stuff because the devil uses that to keep you distracted and away from the one grand conspiracy that he's been working out since the days of Paul, which is to thwart and hinder any way he can, the preaching and teaching of the gospel of the grace of God. And that effort to thwart that gospel, which you and I have been saved under, uh, that's what gave birth to the Jesuits and St. Ignatius Loyola and the Counter-Reformation to roll back the teaching of Martin Luther and the published works that were circulating then, telling people in Europe that if you believe by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you could be saved apart from works. And also that you're a priest unto God. You don't need to go to a man and confess your sins. And there is no mediator between you and God except the man Christ Jesus, who is God. Therefore, praying to Mary or the saints is useless nonsense. And this was such a danger to the Catholic Church. And at first, they didn't know how to handle this. And the devil helped them out by raising up this Spanish knight, St. Ignatius Loyola, and the Jesuits. And that was their commission. Roll back this teaching. Stop it from getting advancing more in Europe. It will destroy the Catholic Church. In fact, the teaching of the gospel of the grace of God will destroy every religion. It'll make all religions non-essential when you know what God is giving you in, in free grace. Well, what do you need religion for? So <laughs> what happens here in the book of Acts, if you'll turn to it, in Acts 23, you have a plot uh, by Jews. I'm going to look specifically now at verses 12 and 13. And this is a Jewish plot to kill Paul by a bunch of zealous Jews who realized the danger uh, to their religion that Paul posed. And I think, I, I think Brother Eric, I had said this to you once, a, a Jew in New York telling me Jesus Christ was, wasn't as much of a problem as Paul was. It was Paul that did the work to undermine the religion of the Jews. And uh, he was a great threat. And they wanted to get rid of him, no doubt. You read it here in Acts. 
it says uh, in verse 12 in Acts 23, and when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Well, that's just pretty serious oath because Jews are not given to not wanting to eat and drink, especially especially if it goes past a few days or so. They're not going to like it. Now, verse 13, and by the way, knowing that the King James Bible has uh, supernatural uh, connections to numbers and verse numbers, and you, you see here, verse 13, the number of rebellion. And it's no surprise, it says in verse 13, and they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. There's the word conspiracy. The only time it shows in the New Testament is right here, Acts 23, 13. Now, in the Old Testament, it shows up nine times. So there's 10 times this word will show up in the Bible. Now, in the Old Testament, it shows up nine times. If you look up the references, it, it all has to do with plots between kings and relatives and who's going to kill who and take the throne. And the reason it, it's like that in the Old Testament is you had the uh, what was called the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the kingdom of heaven could be taken by violence. And the Lord referred to that. Uh, so you had these grabs, these power grabs and assassinations and plots, uh, which was part of the political intrigue. In those days, in those biblical days, now in the New Testament, you're in the gospel, you're under the kingdom of God, not the, the literal political earthly kingdom, but the spiritual kingdom. So what you have here is a spiritual thing. It's a plot to destroy the teaching of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the grace of God. And it actually, it comes after Paul in Acts 23 splits the Sanhedrin. He causes a big stir by saying, well, I'm a Pharisee and I believe in the resurrection. And then the Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection, they went crazy when they heard that. And that was Paul appearing. Uh, this was in Caesarea. And they wanted to take him down to Jerusalem. And on the way down to Jerusalem, they wanted to kill him. That's what happened because Paul's nephew finds out the plot. It says in verse 14, and they came to the chief priests. That's where these devout Jews and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse. Notice not just a curse, a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. And they want him brought down. But verse 16, and when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So God used this nephew who goes unnamed, just like the young fellow who had the fishes and loaves. There's, there are people in the Bible, we don't know their name, but they were in the right place at the right time. Thanks be to God. Uh, just like Esther was positioned in the right place at the right time to save her people. But what you have here is an extraordinary deliverance by the Lord again for Paul. And this is not the first time you, you go back to Acts 925. And then again, in 930, there are two other escapes. And that's from Damascus. Once he was let down in a basket, I have to go back and read it. And then there's another one following this. So, <laughs> 
Paul was always running for his life and in danger of his life. And it's not so much today in America with us Christians, but when you carry that message that you can get access to the great God simply by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the blood atonement, this was the destroyer of all religions because all religions teach the same thing. Brother Eric, they all teach, do this, do that, do this, do that, and hope you make it. Well, what in the world is that? That's bondage. I'm under works. And I said to a Catholic priest once, what is the gospel? He said, well, it's the good news. I said, well, I know it's the good news. Regarding what? What exactly is the good news? Jesus came to earth. Uh, God became a man. I know that. The incarnation, born of a virgin. I know that. Uh, died for sinners on Calvary's cross and then rose from the dead. Amen. That's wonderful to believe that. But what does that do to, me, to believe that? Does that get me in heaven? Because I know certain things that happened and believe them to be true. So what is the good news? I know these things. So what's the good news? Can I count on knowing that stuff to get me into heaven? Well, he says, no, well, not no. You, you have to more or less do certain things and meet God's approval. I said, well, here we go again. So this is not really good news. I'm, I'm back in works. So I'm under bondage again. I have to do this and that and this and that and hope I make it. What is good news about that? What is, there was no answer. There was no answer. I, I says, you know, until God opened my eyes to see that the work was finished, there was nothing I could do to add to it. I wasn't going to be God's little helper helping myself uh, to stay saved after being saved. I was free. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Free of what? Free of superstition, false religion, idolatry. And I thank God till this day that happened almost just about 45 years ago. But now what is a conspiracy? A secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. In criminal law, the agreement to commit an unlawful deed is in itself a crime. Now, I'll repeat that. A lot of people don't know that. They say, well, it's the, the criminal act. Well, the agreement to commit an unlawful deed is in itself a crime. That's conspiracy. And by the way, that conspiracy to do this, that, and the other thing has been used by law enforcement people to put away a lot of, including the mafia people in New York, a conspiracy to defraud, a conspiracy to this and that. And the U.S. government doesn't like to be defrauded. So they'll look at that word conspiracy and say, okay, you two people met and you decided to do X, Y, and Z. And whether you pulled it off or not, you are guilty of a crime. You were involved in a conspiracy to pull off something. That's what you have here. They weren't successful, the Jews. And thank God the Jesuits haven't been successful over the centuries, though they've tried hard to do whatever they could to destroy the teaching of the gospel of the grace of God. And I know a lot about that uh, because I, I did go to Jesuit school uh, a long time ago. In fact, they just sent me a notice uh, that my 60th uh, class reunion will take place uh, this May. And they wanted to know if I would travel to New York and be a part of that wonderful occasion. Sorry to say, <laughs> I'm not interested. And that was uh, 1963 when I graduated. It'll be 60 years ago. 
And I learned a lot from them. They were good educators and they were dedicated. So I understand their zeal, uh, even to this day, to destroy churches and seminaries and any ministry that puts forward with boldness this gospel of the grace of God. Now, you have these conspiracies all through history, and, and I confess I, I did read a lot about these things. I was always interested in a mystery. And the Lord had to show me, listen, get, get off this stuff. There is one conspiracy that's happening in your time, and it's been happening since the days of Paul. That's the priority, to continue the preaching and teaching of the gospel of the grace of God in spite of all the opposition and hindering the devil will throw your way. So these conspiracies of all that I read on, uh, read about was, well, Nero uh, his his suicide, so-called suicide. Some say he never did commit suicide. He hid out in Rome. And you have John F. Kennedy. That was, oh boy, everybody was convinced that was part of a conspiracy. They haven't been able to prove that yet. MLK, Martin Luther King, same thing, although they only have one guy that admitted to killing him. Oh, Princess Diana, everybody was concerned that uh, there was a conspiracy to eliminate her. Now, you got to understand that whenever an important person gets killed in a strange sort of way or an unusual way or a sudden way, there is this human tendency to try and say, hmm, there must be something behind this. Somebody wanted to get away with something in such a way, and, and we, we fall prey to that. We fall prey to that. I remember reading years ago, and I was lost at the time, in Brooklyn, a book called The Passover Plot. I'll never forget the author, Hugh. Uh, Hugh Schoenfeld, C-H-O-N-F-E-L-D, I believe. Hugh Schoenfeld. You might want to Google it and look it up. It was a bestseller back then. I think, I don't know, this might have been when I was in Jesuit school or just starting college. And it was a theory that Christ had faked his death and didn't really die on Calvary, but he swooned, supposedly, and they, they took his body down and they revived him and all that, which was a very interesting book. By the grace of God, I didn't believe it, by the grace of God. Uh, so that was a major uh, book back then, and, and the Jews loved it because it, it had some plausibility about it. And then you had other conspiracies. Well, I know from being living in New York at the time when John Lennon got killed, the Beatle. Oh, it must have been a plot that somebody was behind it, this, that, and the other thing. And then Marilyn Monroe, because she was fooling around with the president, John F. Kennedy's brother, and she was found dead, supposedly of a suicide. Everybody was convinced uh, that she had been murdered. Well, I remember even Dr. Ruckman telling me that he felt the uh, so-called accidental death of General George Patton after World War II ended was a conspiracy to get him out of the way uh, because he wanted to get the, the, the Germans that were still alive to fight with the Americans and go on to fight Russia and take Eastern Europe away from Russia and that they had to get him out of the way. He was a dangerous man. Now, whether they did or not, I don't know. But there's interesting books written about that. And Dr. Ruckman believed that. Also, the conspiracy uh, to uh, assassinate Abraham Lincoln is probably one of the most famous of all. Uh, you had all these uh, conspirators meeting in Mary Surratt's boarding house in Baltimore. By the way, Jesuits and uh, John Wilkes Booth, a Catholic sympathizer, 
and that's why Jefferson Davis was in league with the Pope trying to eliminate Abraham Lincoln. They wanted to destroy America and split it up north and south. That was the Jesuit plan. It failed. The Jesuits did not want to have a strong Protestant nation on the other side of the Atlantic uh, undergirding the gospel of the grace of God, especially if the United States would have become wealthy, which it did later on and churches springing up and money going out to support missionaries who taught the gospel of the grace of God. And then you had the world trade conspiracy, which I know a lot of Christians still believe in that. I got some in my church that are convinced that the government was involved in that and planted these explosives in the buildings and all of that. Oh, brother. And then John Paul I, he only served 30 days and they found him dead in bed and Supposedly, there was a conspiracy to poison him because he was messing around, looking at records involving the Vatican Bank and where the money was going. By the way, I read a good book on that by uh, Yallop. It was David Yallop, Y-A-L-L-O-P. It was called In God's Name. It's an excellent book on all the possibilities that were involved in the murder, what he called the murder of John Paul I, why there was no autopsy and all of that. It was an excellent book by Yallop, David Yallop, I believe. It's called In God's Name. It's paperback. I read that. And then there's the conspiracy of the Illuminati and our founding fathers, you know, 1776, the dollar with the pyramid and the all-seeing eye and all of that. And lately in our time, we've had this COVID thing. Uh, there's a lot of even believers believe it's a conspiracy and uh, to hurt people and inject them with some sort of uh, something that will mess up their DNA and prepare them for the mark of the beast and all of that. You see, these things all become rabbit trails. They're all distractions, which the devil foments, especially this COVID one, was a, a brilliant thing to get God's people, a lot of them out of church, stop going to church because you might get sick and uh, stop giving. You know, if you're not in church, you might not be able to give the way you once gave and hinder the work of the gospel of the grace of God. This was a, a bold move by the devil and with Caesar collaborating with the devil, they pulled it off and they hurt for a while. Anyway, they, they hurt. And, uh, that's why I tell Christians, be very careful. Be- beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. See whether they are of God. What is this COVID thing really doing? It's causing splits in the church, arguments in the in the families of believers. I had one in my own family. My, my sisters uh, were against each other. One sister believed you had to have the shot. The other sister said, no, it's of the devil. And they fought over that. I had to get be- between them. It was sad. And that's what the devil does. He just wants you to go off on these rabbit trails and stop looking at what really matters. Now, one of the great conspiracies of all times, the great plots, is the so-called book called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is this idea that the Jews secretly, a bunch of Jews, the elders of Zion, have gotten together to plot the financial takeover of the world, (laughs) This is Hitler and the Nazis believed this thing like it was the Bible. Actually, it was put out by some Russian crazy person. And a lot of Christians go in for this stuff. They believe it. And the devil loves that because then they stop 
they stop doing what God wants them to do. And what does God want us to do? How can we best advance the gospel of the grace of God, which saved you and I? How can we further that? In what way can we support it? Who's teaching it? And do what we can and avoid the hindrances. Step away from all the snares of the devil that he puts out uh, before us, uh, whether it's the cares of this world, whatever it is, uh, to get your eyes off what really matters. And, uh, and he's successful at that. Now, what a lot of Christians don't realize is the, the book of Galatians uh, was an attempt by Paul writing that to get believers, actually newly converted believers, uh, to get away from these Ju- Judaizers, these people that were coming in, spying out the liberty that the Gentiles now had and, and Jews who were converted to Christ. They were being told by Paul that they didn't, well, I'm going to say flat out, they didn't have to keep the law, although you must be holy and walk in a holy way. But the law was no longer able to save them. Keeping the law would not save them or keep them saved. And there was an outcry on that. And the Jews to this day, like I said, think Paul did more damage to them than Jesus Christ ever did. And it's sad, but that's what they believe. Now, the gospel of the grace of God was, and Paul tells us actually in Galatians 1, 9, uh, that if you teach that gospel, uh, not that gospel, any other gospel is accursed. I, I showed that to a Catholic once. I said, look at, look at this. What is the gospel that the Catholic Church teaches? Well, he says, you you do the best you can. You honor the Lord. You believe in him. You keep the commandments as best you can. You stay in good graces uh, with the Catholic Church, which means to do your Easter duty once a year, which is to go to confession and receive communion once a year. Technically speaking, if you don't do that, you're excommunicated. Most Catholics don't know that. So when they told me, I'm born Catholic, I'll die Catholic. And I asked them about the last time they received communion or went to confession. And when they admitted it's been a long time, I says, well, you're not going to die a Catholic because technically you've been excommunicated. How about that? <laughs> they get upset. And I says, and the gospel you're getting or believed in the Catholic Church is not the gospel you God wants you to believe. And Paul makes that clear in Galatians 1. But though we or an angel of heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So any other gospel, by the way, the gospel of the kingdom uh, is going to come back in the tribulation. When we are removed, that is the end of the free ticket. That is the end of the free pass to heaven by simply believing in Jesus Christ's blood atonement as full payment for your sins. That offer is withdrawn, the fire sale is over, and you go back to list price. And list price, no discount, means you got to work your way to heaven, and God forbid not take the mark. And that gospel that's going to be preached in the, in the uh, tribulation is not the gospel we're under right now. But right now, it says in verse 9, and as we said before, I'm in Galatians 1, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And David wrote in Psalm 119, I, I hate every false way. I hate Romanism. 
It's a cursed gospel. Now, the Jesuits read Galatians. They know what Paul wrote in Galatians. But what they've done is try and turn it around because the Pope called in the the 16th century for what was called the Council of Trent. And in the Council of Trent, all the Catholic Church elders agreed that if you believed that you could be saved by faith alone, apart from works, no works, faith alone, you were accursed. According to the Council of Trent, you were cursed. I'm cursed, according to what they teach. And I guess if I went to the Jesuit reunion there, then they found out what I believe. Many of them might know already. Uh, look at me like I'm cursed. So they tried to, they cursed us, those that believe in the gospel of the grace of God, because our scripture, the, the word of God curses them. It's just so they wanted to reverse it. And it curses them clearly. It says right here, uh, if any man preach any other gospel unto you. And that's not just the gospel of the Catholic Church. That's the gospel of every religion. Mormons, uh, Muslims, uh, Jews, all religions teach the same thing. Try this, try that, and see if you can earn God's approval. And hope you make it. Put a smile on his face by doing all these good things. That's what I told the Mormons the other day when they rang my bell. I said, do you think it's coincidence that the devil in the last hundred years has raised up all these false versions, first of all, to correct the word of God, which is the King James Bible, which is the pure word of God. And all these false Bibles, now that you go into Christian bookstore and you see 20 or 30 of them on the shelf, and we know that God is not the author of confusion. And now he raises up in these last days, in the last two centuries, you people, I said, you you LDS people, Latter-day Saints, you call yourself. I don't know why you're calling yourself a saint. You don't have Christ in you. And he raised up, the uh, the devil raised up the Seventh-day Adventists, which was what? Again, an effort to put you under the law, to tell you you got to keep the Sabbath, which is a Jewish thing. And it has nothing to do with the Church of God. And to put you back in bondage. And Paul, the whole letter to the Galatians is written to refute these teachings. So in the last days, all these cults that have risen up, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and various other cults, and even Pentecostalism. Now, I know a lot of Pentecostals are, are true believers in Jesus Christ, and many, I'm sure, have been born again. But they they fall, many of them fall right back under the law. And I told that to a Pentecostal not long ago. He says, you're under the law. You believe you need to help God keep you saved. He says, well, you can lose it. You can, No, you can't lose it, I said. You can't. You're sealed until the day of redemption. You're sealed. You misunderstand loss of fellowship for loss of salvation. There's a world of difference between them. You can lose fellowship. And if you keep walking away from the Lord and committing sin, you're going to be judged. You might uh, get sick. You'll be very weak or your Lord just might take you out. But as far as losing salvation, it can't happen. You've already been sealed. But you don't know that. You don't believe that. So you keep going back. You're back under works. So now you're under this idea. You must help God keep you saved. 
by walking holy. Well, it's good to walk holy. Amen. That's what God expects you to do. But it has nothing to do. You're not saved that way. You're not kept that way. You're kept strictly by grace from God. That's what wakes you up in the morning. That's why you're breathing. And that's why when you leave this world, you'll go straight to heaven. There's no sin. I said to a Pentecostal once, if the Lord Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, and he was, and as God, he knew the day you were going to be born, the day you were going to die, and the exact amount of sins you were going to commit in that period, small ones, big ones, whatever. And he paid completely for all of them. It says in First John, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin. Now, I says, if you think you can lose salvation and you've got to get it back, take an altar call and start crying and all of that. Well, what sins didn't he pay for? Which ones were uh, left out? So it wasn't a full payment. So you're back under the gospel of works. You're teaching exactly what the Catholic Church teaches. Come every Sunday, or go to confession on Saturday, and come Sunday and get the wafer again. <laughs> I said, don't you realize what you're doing? You're back in religion. I said, read the book of Galatians. That was the Lord's attempt to get you out from under that. Didn't understand. You know, what's behind this? So I said, brother, we'll tell you what. I said, this ego, this religious pride, this this. This unwillingness to come with a full surrender that you're no good and that nothing you can do could guarantee your salvation or keep you saved. You go to the cross, you put your religious pride at the cross, you surrender it and say, I'm no good. And if I'm not going to be saved by your grace alone, I have no hope. That's the way you come. But you see, people love religion. They, 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 there's a certain affinity for for a religion, the idea that you're trying to be a good person, especially in America, you know, religion still is a powerful influence. And you have Paul telling us that in the last days, uh, they'll have a form of godliness, uh, but deny the power thereof. And what is the power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit to change your life, to deliver you from the bondage of sin, to line you up with God's viewpoints and teachings in the Bible. So they have a form of godliness, but not the power thereof. Now, I know there's people that are saved. There's some Catholics that are saved and others that, for various reasons, are never going to come out of that deception. And most of the time, it's just fear. Turn your back on your tradition and whatever. But uh, the gospel of the grace of God has been under attack since Paul preached it and they wanted to kill him. And the devil wakes up in the morning, not that he wakes up, but all his cohorts, his demons are all involved in attempts to put snares at your feet and stop you and hinder you in any way they can from advancing this truth. Number one, you can come to Jesus Christ with all your sins and receive forgiveness and washing and cleansing and salvation free. That's a wonderful thing. It doesn't seem to appeal to as many people today as it might have once did years ago because there's no preaching of the law. And when there's no preaching of the law anymore, there's hardly any conviction of sin. That's why they took down the Ten Commandments in school and public buildings. The Ten Commandments is God's way of showing you you're a sinner. You violated this, you violated that. 
And Paul says in Galatians, and I know this by experience, true in my life, that the law was a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. It was a tutor. And it was for me. I, I believe the law as a Catholic. I was raised to believe it, especially in Jesuit school. Do this, do that, do this, do that, and hope you keep God's favor. Well, that scares you. So you never know. But the law led me to a point where I, I within myself, knew I'm no good. I can't keep the law. If I stood on my head. I, I can't keep the law if I went off to a monastery and prayed the rosary every day. It's just not going to happen. It's something in me that's not allowing me to keep the law and be holy. So I got to that point where when the evangelist dealt with me and said, do you recognize you're a sinner? I said, yes. He said, do you believe in hell? I said, yes. He said, you don't want to go there. I said, who does in their right mind? He says, well, you need to come to Calvary. You need to receive what God has you for free. I said, this sounds too good. <laughs> it's so simple. I don't know why I didn't get this in the church. He said, that's a good question. Go ask them. And I think I told you once before, my grandfather, God bless his soul, my father's father, when he heard the gospel preached, and he never heard the gospel preached. He went to a Baptist church here in Brooklyn once, and he took the altar call, and he was, trusted Christ to save him. And I said, Grandpa, you did a great thing. What made you do it? He said, well, I know a good deal when I hear one. And that's exactly what the gospel of the grace of God is. Uh, an offer, like in the movie The Godfather, I'll, I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. I don't know how anybody in their right mind would want to refuse this offer. But that's it. That's the uh, schoolmaster, the law. Now, what you have today in America is an effort to, uh, like they have the cancel culture. You know, they want to cancel the uh, achievements of uh, Robert E. Lee or George Washington because he owned slaves or whatever. So everybody that was thought of highly now, not everybody, but many people who were thought of highly in our history are no longer uh, to be considered wonderful people because this, that, the other thing happened in their lives. Well, they want to cancel Christ. And that's what the teaching of, uh, that's what all the modern religions are teaching. Cancel the cross of Christ. Now, remember what he said in Philippians. Uh, for many walk, Paul wrote, and I tell you now, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He didn't say enemies of Christ. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. They will not come to Jesus Christ with a surrender, with an idea of, I need to make a surrender. I need to let him run me. And you have that today in America. You have a, a desire on the part of many to have Christ as their savior. And, uh, as Lord, well, that's a different story. Uh, that's a different story. That involves bowing your neck and letting him be the Lord. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. So Calvary is it. It's the center of our faith. And Paul had preached Christ crucified. See, this? why did he put that Christ crucified as opposed to just I'm preaching Christ? Well, the Catholic Church preaches Christ. The Protestants preach Christ. The Eastern Orthodox preach, preach Christ. Paul made it I pre preaching Christ crucified. Why? You've got to see him that way. Why was he crucified? For your sins. You cannot get to heaven by your goodness. Now, all religions agree on one thing, Brother Eric, uh, the, the idea that you reap what you sow. That's a spiritual thing. They all agree, well, you you do this, that, and the other thing, and you're going to pay for it. Well, amen. And all religions agree on the idea 
that God needs to be placated. It's like an Old Testament idea. You need to make sacrifice. You need to fast. You need to this and you need to that. The Jews were brought up with those beliefs and circumcision and, and keep, keeping as best you can the law of Moses. So when Paul went to the elders of the early church in Jerusalem and explained the gospel of the grace of God, you, you got to put yourself there for a, mo a moment and realize what an awesome thing was being told these people. They were now told to turn their back on the teachings that they were raised with. Well, maybe not turn your back, but push them aside. Put them on the shelf. They're no longer valid. And I used this analogy before. It's like I would show up for mass one morning and the priest would get up there and say, uh, no longer do you have to believe that this wafer is the body and blood of Christ. Just a wafer. No longer do you have to believe that sprinkling you as an infant puts you into the church. It doesn't do anything except make you wet. Uh, no longer do you have to believe going to the priest and confessing your sins is somehow going to give you a magical absolution and a forgiveness of sins. No longer do you have to believe that anybody who's called a saint or died and went to heaven can hear you, your prayers, and then relay them to Jesus Christ. That's ridiculous. I mean, the people, if they heard that coming from the lips of a bishop or whatever in a church on Sunday, I would imagine en masse they'd get up and walk out. And say, well, what am I doing here? You know, what what do I believe? So, brothers and sisters, this is a, an amazing thing. Now, we're living in a time when there's such an effort to blind you to the gospel of the grace of God and keep you away from understanding that I have a privilege to give to others the thing that saved me, this knowledge the Lord cared enough for you to make his son a blood atonement, fully paying for all your sins, past, present, and future. This is wonderful news. And this is what the devil works day and night in trying to stop and blunt this. Now, he's had the Jesuits by his side for these centuries now, since the 1500s. They, they started shortly after the Reformation. And what they've done is infiltrate uh, Protestant seminaries and all the mainline Protestant denominations have been, you talk about a conspiracy, the Jesuits are experts on this. They've been doing this before the Israeli Mossad or the United States CIA or the British M5. And I'm just trying to show people that the Jesuits have been in history the principal agents to distort the teaching of the gospel of the grace of God by infiltrating our churches. Even Bible Baptist churches, unfortunately, not that they're canceling the preaching of the gospel of the grace of God, but they're trying to get Christians to see that maybe the King James isn't as pure as they thought it was. And they've raised that issue now for the longest time. And I know it from Jesuit school, the idea that there's no such thing as a perfect, infallible Bible. Well, that's what they tell you. The, the one that's infallible is the original Greek and the original Hebrew, and nobody has it, which is a joke. But they've infiltrated seminaries. They've destroyed mainline denominations. They brought them almost all back under the law. Even the Lutheran church, if Martin Luther were alive today and visited the churches that bear his name, he wouldn't believe it. They're all back under the law. They're not preaching salvation by grace alone. And many of them now have ordained women as pastors and LGBT baloney and all of that. So they're 
all in the toilet. And he got the Jesuits to go in among the born-again people, the Charismatics and the Pentecostals, essentially, uh, to tell them that, uh, yeah, you've lost salvation. You've turned your back on Jesus Christ. You, you better start doing right again. You, you better take that altar call and cry and tell the Lord you want it back. What? Salvation? Well, I guess he gave it to me and he takes it back. Is that it? <laughs> what? I'm back in religion again. I got it, and then I don't have it. Oh, brother and sisters, this is, and this hinders a lot of Christians who are saved and never seem to get any assurance that they're permanently saved, and they live in fear. Did you know that there's a lot of chaplains in the prison systems, the jails and prisons of the United States who are told not to preach once saved, always saved? Did you know that? That's the Mormons hit me with that the other day. You mean to tell me you Baptist and you get saved and you're convinced it's all done and it's finished? And I said, amen. And then you can just go out and live any way you want? I said, no. Who teaches that? Who teaches that? I said, first of all, when I get saved, Jesus Christ himself comes into me. He's the lawgiver. Okay, so I have someone in, in me that's going to push at me to keep the law. Not that I can, but by the grace of God, sin won't have dominion over me. That's not to say I won't fall into sin at times. Unfortunately, we fall. You know, the steps of a good man are order of the Lord. Uh, and then the next verse says, though he falls. So the Lord already knows going to be, even though your steps are order of the Lord, there's going to be times so he'll kind of withdraw and leave you alone. You're going to fall. Okay, I says, but who says that I can go out and live any way I want? I'll be judged if I do that. You think the Lord will just allow me to go out and what? Sell dope and harm people and whatever. And, and I've got Christ in me. Not going to be long for this world. But yes, you, you stay saved. You do st stay saved. I don't care what you did. There's a lot of people that don't appear to be saved and are saved. And there's a lot of religious people like you here at my door that appear to be saved and you're not and you have the form of godliness but not the power and you choose to elevate this guy joseph smith above the words of god you you, you take your teachings from the, the book of mormon it's ridiculous to believe this he appeared 200 years and he preached to the indians and all that come on man i i believe your fantasies are greater than the fantasies i believed in as a catholic you ought to be ashamed of yourself but again, it's religious pride. You have to come to Calvary and you have to admit maybe all my teachings are wrong. What I was brought in is wrong. Lord, I come to you ignorant. I want you to show me and be prepared like the Jews in the early church in Jerusalem when Paul defended the, the salvation of the Gentiles and said things have changed. What you formerly believed has been put on the shelf. The door is now open for these so-called Gentile dogs that you've always looked upon as dogs and rightfully so. They're open. They're coming in now. And many of you are not going to like it because you're no longer the, the, the sense of being chosen is being whittled away and you're starting to feel and that religious pride is being diminished. You know, we're the one and only, we're the chosen of God. Yeah, amen, that's true. But now you need to make room for the Gentiles because they're going to get a seat at the Lord's table too. And many are not going to like that. And that's what I believe led to the, uh, the, early, the Jewish church in the beginning fading away and becoming more of a Gentile church, which it is today. I think the Jews got a little bit put off and said, hey, Paul, what are you saying? You don't even have to be circumcised? Is that it? Yeah, 
That's right. If you're a Gentile, you don't need to be circumcised and you don't need to eat kosher. You like roast pork? Eat all you want. It's okay. Shellfish, you like it? Okay, let's get some fried shrimp. They probably looked at him. They wanted to strangle him because he was overturning everything they were brought up to believe. And that's the gospel of the grace of God. It overturns all religious teaching apart from what you learn in the scriptures from the from the writings of Paul, which is to the body of Christ. And I told the Mormons the other day, and I said this on another uh, broadcast, uh, is it salvation by faith alone? Through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, or do my works have something to do with it? And believe it or not, one of them said, no, it's a combination of both. I says, oh, dear Lord, you talk about confusion. It's a combination of both? Well, then how do you know if you have enough of the works and enough of the faith, and if you have too little, what do you do to make up for it? I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> but I wanted, in a way, to make an impression. I addressed my remarks to the younger one who seemed more able to listen to what I was saying. And uh, I offered him a couple of muffins. And I didn't let him in the house. And I told him, I'm not going to help you to ring the doorbells here or even want you to, because you're peddling what I know from the scriptures is religious poison. And God forbid I should encourage you in that endeavor. I'll have to stand before the Lord and answer for that. And I'm not going to be in good shape. So brothers and sisters, the conclusion of the matter is this. You and I have been so privileged, so blessed, made so rich to come under the gospel of the grace of God in the church age and to be put into the body of Christ with flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. It's a one-time thing. It'll never happen again. We have a special place. And all our all our energy, all our focus needs to be every day you wake up, Lord, how can I best further the gospel of the grace of God, which is your work? And please open my eyes, Lord, that I might see what snares the devil has put at my feet today or what attempts will he make to thwart me? Brothers and sisters, I've had situations on the phone. I'm dealing with a person about their soul or whatever, and the, the line goes dead or there's the, some sort of electrical problem. I, the devil has ways of stepping in there, his devils anyway, and cutting short anything that's helping a person's eyes to open, especially a religious person. I can't tell you how many times this has happened. So on one Guy says to me, is there a devil? I says, yeah, just try and live for Christ and preach his gospel. And you'll find out there's a devil. You have no idea about this enemy and how he operates until you get on the right track and you make his gospel the chief priority of your life. Then you'll see. And by the way, I'll end it with this. There is a danger. The Jesuits who have always tried to destroy this country and the teaching and preaching of the pure word of God, they're out to bankrupt us. We're 32 trillion in, in debt. And they know that 95% or more of all the missionaries right now around the world who are preaching the gospel of the grace of God are supported by American dollars. And they're out to destroy the American dollars, to inflate it to the point where it's almost worthless. That's been their goal. They can't stop us. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. By the grace of God, we're allowed, still allowed to preach and teach the gospel of the grace of God. But if they could bankrupt America and throw us into chaos, they will have won a great victory because they're out to bring these missionaries home. They've been out to do that. How many times Paul said, pray for me uh, that I may not be hindered. Paul was aware of all the attempts the devil was making to hinder him. 
from going forward. Uh, are you aware of that? Do, do you realize sometimes how the devil has stepped in there and tried to block you in many different ways from going ahead with the one thing that matters in your life, which is to give out this treasure that God gave you to others? To remember, and the Lord says, he, he's not willing that any should perish. What he gave to you, he wants to give to others. That's why the Jesuits want to close us down. And they 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 helped with the COVID thing. They kept a lot of churches closed, didn't they? And they stopped a lot of giving. So it proved that using Caesar to support their effort, they could shut down the work of the gospel. A lot of churches closed. A lot of them were intimidated. And they're going to do it again. God will give them permission to do it again. So I don't know how much time we have. We don't have much time. Things are moving rapidly. I I was telling the brother the other day that there was something in the Jewish papers that told me how close we are. The new government in Israel, the religious parties have doubled their representation. They're in a powerful position now in the Netanyahu government in Israel. And they're demanding that the nation have a Sabbath-wide observance. And this is a chief item on their agenda, and they're pushing for it. I don't know if they'll get it or how soon, but they are pushing for it. But according to the scriptures, it will happen. And I showed a brother in church the other day. I said, turn to Matthew 24. The whole chapter is about the tribulation and what's going to happen to the Jews. When they see the abomination of desolation, they have to run for their lives. When this man steps in front of that temple uh, and declares himself to be God and demands to be worshipped, the Jews are told, don't even go from the housetop downstairs to get your clothes. Run, flee to the mountains, get out of there like a house on fire. And what does it say in Matthew chapter 24, verse 20? It says, pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath. Well, what does that mean? Right now in Israel, there's no Sabbath day observance except in Orthodox neighborhoods in Jerusalem. But the rest of Israel, 75% of Israel is secular. It's not religious. They don't want to hear about a nationwide Sabbath observance. They want the stores open in Tel Aviv and the major cities, Haifa. They want to buy and sell. And they want to make money. Okay, they don't want to be told about closing down everything. I knew that as a kid in Brooklyn. Every store on a Sunday was closed except the drugstore. Later on in the afternoon, some opened, but that wasn't unusual to see that. Jersey and Pennsylvania had Sunday blue laws. The malls were shut down. So it, what's going to happen is the religious parties are going to get their way. And there's going to be a nationwide observance of Saturdays as a Sabbath. And there's going to be nothing moving. No buses, no trains, no planes, no anything. That's why he's saying, pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath. So until this election, and I realized the power now that the religious parties have in Israel, I said, oh, my God, here's the Lord showing us how this is going to happen. This is real. So we must be pretty close if these religious parties are already pressing hard on Netanyahu to institute a nationwide Sabbath observance. You know, some brothers and sisters, our departure is at the door. <laughs> we are not long to be here. I mean, these are, it's just another road sign along the way saying, pack up, get ready. This world is not your home. You're going to leave it. And I say, amen, amen. And a lot of Christians don't know this is happening. They don't read the Israeli papers. They don't really pay much attention to this. And I understand they got things to do and whatever. But I read this stuff and I see it and I say, thank you, Lord. Open thou mine eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Are you ready? Complete surrender service to the king, and you'll be blessed. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. God bless you.
And brother, thank you for having me on, brother Eric. Well, boy, there was a uh, a lot to unpack there. Certainly, a clear presentation of the gospel, <laughs> but also, it's so true. You know, everything else yeah. is really a diversion, a smokescreen to yeah. keep the truth of the gospel, the grace of God, hidden. Right? Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. Good stuff, brother. Well, amen. That's that's why we're here, brother. You're doing your share. God has pointed you in a certain direction. Others are doing what they can to promote the gospel and the teaching of the free grace, which is the enemy of all religions. Mm-hmm. All religions hate the cross. And that's what the church today is. It's in trouble. It's it's forgetting that. It's The cross is Christ crucified. It's the heart of our faith. Mm-hmm. And we don't help God keep us saved, brother. I'm not God's little helper. I'm ashamed of my service. And all of us will bring regrets to the judgment seat of Christ. And that's unfortunate. But we're here and we can do something. God has given us an ability to do something and we ought to do it. Time is running out. So thanks for having me, brother. I really appreciate the honor and the privilege you've given me to speak to your people. And I, I just pray God will help all of us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is his will. And that's why I teach the scripture. And warn them about things like the Jesuits and others. We have enemies, brother. We have enemies. Believe me. God bless you, brother, and I'll be going. All right, brother. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, Brother Militello. We want to thank him for coming on this uh, podcast. And, boy, good stuff. You know, a lot there. This may be one you're going to want to listen to again, maybe with a friend. Invite a friend to uh, check it out as well. Um, again, this is uh, Eric at That's in the Bible, and here's a little information about how you can be a part of the program. Have a question or topic that you want covered, email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or leave a phone message at 716 God bless. All right, that'll do it for us today. Now, again, we want to thank Brother Robert Militello uh, for coming on the podcast today and, and a lot of good stuff, and it's so true. You know, the all these conspiracy theories, we can, we can really get balled up and, and spend a lot of time on these other things that ultimately distract us from giving out the gospel. And that is our purpose here now, to, to uh, please the Lord. And I know that many of you out there are doing your part, and God bless. All right, until next time, press on. All of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Going where no one dies, heavenward Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or
child of God, dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will many meet, will meet their doom, trumpets will trumpets sound, will surely sound, all of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound.